Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're talking about things and topics today that that you requested. So we're in this series called You Asked For It. And in this series, we've asked you to submit questions and, and topics you'd like for us to hit on to give you a chance to let your answers uh, be given to you and you choose the service, the sermons. And so we've had the delight to do that and we've had a lot of people submit some questions and some topics. So we have two today, but we're going to read the scripture, then we're going to approach those and together we're going to just let it unfold. Are you ready? That came out kind of weird, didn't it? First Corinthians 15 and 1 says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news. Someone say good news. He said, let me remind you of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message. I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in, in the first place. So in other words, he's coming to them, telling them, he's actually telling the Corinthian church that, listen, I have given you good news. And unless you've believed something that wasn't true before, and you went that way, and then he begins to expound on what the good news was. He said, I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed to me. Here's the good news, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. So he's making a reiteration, and he's just confirming that just like the Scripture said, just like the Word of God said, it came to pass, and it happened. So you can trust the Bible. You can trust the Word of God. It is truth. And it tells the truth of someone that was buried, but rose again, and he rose from the grave, and Verse 5 says he had been seen by Peter, then the 12, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, and most of them are still alive. Though some have died, then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles, and last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So in other words, we may have been in different time frames, but I've experienced him just like they did. And the point he's trying to convey to the church is this. You're going to come across a lot of opinions, a lot of false facts, and a lot of things being said. But remember, you've got to stand on one thing, and that's the good news, the good report, the truth of what God says. He said, and I delivered it to you, and you're still standing firm in it. Can I ask you a question? Is there anyone here still standing firm in the truth of God, in God's word, and what the Bible says? And does anybody still believe it like it was written? And so God is true. And let every man be a liar, but let God be true. He'll never lie to us. He'll never mislead us. He'll never misguide us. I'm just thankful that he loved us and gave his life for us. How about you? Someone say, God bless this service today. And you can be seated. Turn to someone, give them the peace sign, and just tell them, hey, everything's going to be okay. 
So we had two questions that were submitted that we chose. And the first question was this. How to stay informed? They want to hear how to stay informed with world news and keep calm and peaceful when the news is so bad every day. How do you stay calm and peaceful? The second question was, how do you trust God? How to trust God for tomorrow when nothing is as it has been before? Things change, don't they? Um, I'm going to give you just two simple practical approaches to these questions. Very simple, practical approaches to these two questions. And then we're going to get into the sermon and then we're going to discuss this uh, with me saying it and you replying, amen, praise God, hallelujah, and all that good stuff. And so, number one, you cannot stop the news, but you have a choice to what you listen and watch. I've been guilty of following, falling into the routine of listening to whatever your channel is or your news broadcast or station. It doesn't matter. What makes the news so important to most people is the fact that it gives us warning or gives us uh, events, world events. And, and not all things make the news because it's just not, quite honestly, bad enough. The un unfortunate thing is that bad news sells well. And so you hear nothing but controversy, nothing but uh, opinions and ideas, and people express their feelings about uh, the people they are odds against and what they don't agree with and what they agree with. And, and so I found myself listening to the news, spending time there enough to allow it to let some feelings begin to boil inside of me. And, and I found myself talking to the news broadcast, and then you know as well as I do, they can't hear you. But you have a way of just telling them how you feel, right? Well, that's not true, or that's a bunch of garbage. I can't believe that. Can you believe that? Can you, can you absolutely, I mean, just find yourself emotionally getting upset because you hear things that are happening in our nation and you can actually get upset, angry, or even depressed. So I found myself in this battle almost every day. Then I recognized it and said to myself, that's not going to happen. I have a choice. So something practical that I did was I downloaded the app. And I choose to read the news now through my app and I'm not going to stay there all day long because if it's important enough they're going to put it on there but I'm going to read what happened and move on but I'm not going to stay there and stew in it and let it mold me and make me and affect my attitude and deal with me the way it wants to I have a choice I'm going to let God deal with me, and I'm going to get his perspective, and I'm going to read something just enough to know what's going on. But the second thing is the most important part to being practical in the approach. 
The second part to that is this. Once I know the news, then I must take it to God in prayer and put it in his hands. If you do not, you will carry it with you and you will be driven by frustration and fear and you will have a bad attitude when the moment comes you're going to talk about it to somebody. If the topic comes up, that's all you're going to discuss. And there, the majority of your day has been robbed by bad news. Not necessarily lying, because I had one person tell me, I just don't know who to believe anymore. Well, my response to that is, is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians when he said, I brought you good news. So I choose the news that I want. I choose to believe what God has to say about the outcome of our lives rather than having it dictated by propaganda, by news coverage, by everyone else's attitude. The point is that we are still one nation under God, indivisible, and we are still free, and we are still given the right, the right the right to believe what God says in the Bible. And so, so I'm going to take good news. Do you know when Jesus came into the world, Jesus did not come around telling everyone in the region bad things about Rome, bad things about, you know, the culture and the government that they were under. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus came in this world and gave what? Good news. He called it the gospel. He talked about the kingdom. He gave hope. He gave life. He gave a different perspective. He gave a perspective that the Father would want us to have, that God is a healer, that God is a peacemaker, that God is the one who gives us rest, that God is the one who decides the outcome. We're living in a place called earth right now but this place is not our home we're just passing through how many of you believe that still we're just passing through as that jesus gave them a heavenly perspective he began to talk about the kingdom he began to talk about things that they had never heard of giving them hope giving them life it's just relevant for us to know the news but it's more relevant and very important for us to recognize that if you don't stand for something or stand on something, you'll fall for anything. And your emotions will be out of kelter and you'll just believe a lie and believe and live in fear. And be driven with anxiety. Driven with anxiety. That was one of our questions and actually one of our... One of our uh, Topics we were going to hit on as well today. Someone submitted, and this is all confidential, but someone submitted and said, I am dealing, how do I deal with depression? I'm dealing with it for the first time in my life. Here's how you deal with it. Choose the good news. Choose the right report. There have been many things throughout the years that have happened in this world from World War I to World War II to the Spanish flu to other pandemics to other things that have happened in our society for racial injustice. This is not the first time. Generations prior to us have been through all of this together. 
In fact, during World War II, there was a story and testimony of a young minister by the name of Lester Summerall. And Lester Summerall was living in London. And he was a dapper minister. He wanted to go visit another gentleman who was, what, who was a, a revivalist. Uh, a lot of books have been written about this man, and a lot of people looked up to him and admired him. He had a very unusual ministry. This man's name was Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth had a very unusual ministry. He would pray for people, and God would heal them instantly. He'd seen blind eyes open. He'd seen the lame walk. Uh, but his, his message was the same as the Bible, but his method was quite, quite um, different. For example, one time there was a lady who had stomach cancer and was dying, and and where most of us would go and just pray for her, uh, he went up to her literally and hit her in the stomach, and she was instantly healed. His thought process was is that he believed it was of the devil, and he wasn't punching the woman. He was punching the disease, and it would go out. And I'm like, please, Lord, don't let that ministry fall on me. We wouldn't have much people come around, but this guy was loved and hated by many, but he had seen thousands upon thousands of people healed and he was well respected by his, his his ministerial friends and so this young guy was walking to his house and the dapper you know the the young dapper minister walked in with the with his hat and and he uh, regaled with his hat and he had an umbrella in his hand and he had the newspaper under his arms and he was walking up to the doorstep of Mr. Wigglesworth and before he could step in he said you can come in, but that newspaper can't. He didn't understand, and he said, why? He said he just wanted an answer. He wasn't being disrespectful. He just wanted to know, and he said, I've prayed for England too much to let that bad news come into my doors. He said, in the news, there's propaganda, and there's nothing else Nothing but negative reports of what's going on in the war. But I have prayed too much to see England fall. I believe we're going to be victorious in this battle. That was his conviction. Now, whether I agree with it or not, I think I can gather a little something from that historical moment from a minister's life. And I think we need to apply some of that same principle here and have the love for our country like we should have a love for our country. And they recognize that, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian before I'm an American, but yet still this nation is blessed. And this nation is our home, and we live for it, and people have given their lives for it, and we, we raise our children in it. And, and, and I have prayed too many prayers for this government, regardless of who the president has been throughout the years. It doesn't matter. This land is our land, folks, and God blessed us with this land, and God has blessed us with the religious freedoms, and we will continue to let our cry out and let God govern us and let God move. In, in troublesome times, we, we can see and learn from these examples. In fact, when you read the scripture, you'll find it as well in the scripture when God sent the 12 spies into Canaan land. You remember that? He sent 12 spies, and they were looking out for the land, and they saw giants in the land. I got some reverb here, guys. They saw giants in the land, and then they saw um, honey, and they saw milk, and they saw the vineyard. They saw towns and houses, 
and they just were attracted to that. But then they just saw nothing else but those giants. So 10 of them came back and gave a negative report. They said those giants are too big for us. But two of those men came back and said, our God is bigger than those giants. We want it. We need it. That's our land. Sometimes you have to fight for what belongs to you. In this right now dispensation that we're living in, you see, these two spies had faith under a lesser covenant, an old covenant, an old agreement that God had with his people. But how much more you and I under a blood-bought covenant with God, we receive the grace of God through the sacrifice and the sacrificial offering of the Lamb of God. And how much more should our faith look at mountains and look at giants and say, we can take it. Our God is bigger. Our God is stronger. Our God is well able. Our God can do all things, but not just God. We can do all things through Christ who, what? Strengthens us. Under a new covenant, we have a different perspective. And really, it's our time to shine right now. But it's hard to shine when you've allowed reports to take away your shine. To darken your thought process. To allow yourself to to be down by the report. Last night, I was given a, a report, stats, that showed Victoria in Texas. Victoria came out number one with COVID-19 cases. My reply to the text was, well, at least Victoria won something finally. <laughs> right? We don't ever win anything. Victoria's been voted the most boring town in the nation. Victoria's been voted as one of the wealthiest and most sacrificial giving town through nonprofits in the nation as well. But, but I'm going to take that and combine it with the good news and say this is the chance for God to shine. This is the moment for us to have faith. This is the moment for us to believe and Walk with that, uh, that the audacity of strong faith like, like Joseph, who, who most people would have probably thought he was out of his mind during the battle that we read about in the Old Testament when he said, Lord, let the sun stand still. We need some more time. But yet the sun stood still and the time was extended and enabled them to win the battle. Faith in troubling times test your ability to whether or not you really do believe God can. In these moments, this is where Jesus said to the church, occupy till I come. There's been a lot of people saying it already. I've, I've read it here and there and, you know, their little here, little line upon line, precept upon precept, people writing and saying, the end is near. The end is near. Jesus is coming. Well, you know, he said, occupy. He didn't say sit and wait. He didn't say run in fear. He didn't say give up. But what he said was, he said that, that I'm going to be with you. 
and that when it gets darker, the brighter the light is going to shine. Even in Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet said that arise and shine, darkness has filled the land, but arise, I will put a light among you, and it will fill your nation and your country with understanding, and that's what Jesus was. Jesus came into the world as a light of understanding and gave hope, but let me remind you, when it gets darker in our world, that we are the body of Christ, and we are the extension of who he is. And in this moment, faith should be high, and faith should be expressed, and words should be said out loud, and people ought to hear us and, and hear it very clearly that we believe that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We put on the whole armor of God, and we worship God in spirit and in truth, and no weapon will come against my family, my finances, my marriage, my career, and where God has sent me. We will overcome. Somebody say amen. We will overcome. I know there's a lot of naysaying in the church right now. I understand that there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, this is it. I don't know what's next. What good is it to pray? They respond in their flesh rather than respond in the spirit. And let me simply convey this to you all and try to help you with this. How do you, how do you act aggressive without being misunderstood. If we're supposed to be strong, how do, you, how do you convey strength without being arrogant and staying humble and being meek? Here's how. God is love. When God gave us the commission from the book of Genesis and spoke over Adam, he said to Adam, Adam, every beast, everything in the field, all the material that's in the earth, I've given you the authority to have dominion over. That means dominate that. It's yours, Adam. But then he never gave commandment to treat people that way. We've been taught in the scripture to love people. But the scripture has also taught us to discern the spirit. Not every spirit is from God. To love people and to hate the sin and to hate the hatred and the spirit behind it. So when I see someone, I'm going to love them and I'm going to agree with them regardless of they're Republican or Democrat. Uh-oh. Keep looking forward. Don't look any other direction. See, the scripture says we're supposed to pray for our enemies and pray and pray for them in a way that doesn't resemble the judgments of God, right? So if I said to you, pray for the president, and I asked a Republican to pray for the president, they would pray, God bless him, God protect him, God enable him to keep doing what he's doing. But if I asked a Democrat to pray they would say, God, correct him. God, get him out of office. God. See, it's hard for people to figure out what I am. Can I tell you I'm neither or? I'm a kingdom-minded individual where I'm standing for the principles of God, and I don't take either side. I take his side. And you should take his side, too. And it leaves less frustration in your life to trust God with it. So... So really, God taught me how to pray. 
I have prayed for every president, regardless of who was in office or whether or not I voted for him. I pray God's blessings. Why? Because it's God's plan to let the goodness of God be shown to every person, and the good works of God will lead people to repentance. See, I learned this lesson a long time ago. I've had people that have, like you, have hurt me, said things about me. Being in this type of ministry, uh, being a pastor is not for wimps. I wish someone would give me a shirt. Pastoring is not for wimps. And, and I've learned that whether you're pastoring or just doing life, people are going to talk about you. People are going to hurt you. People are going to lie about you. People are going to be people. But the moment you allow it to affect you, and what you see, what you hear, what you experience is the moment that you have now paralyzed your own vigor and your own action and your own zeal and misdirected down a different avenue that wasn't intended for God to lead you down. Because the path that God has chosen is the path less traveled. It's, it's a very, very narrow road. But the wide road most people go down. I would rather walk alone on a road than to follow the herd in the wrong direction. And you'll see very few people right now that, that are confronting the whole thing, not as being bipartisan in any way, but by simply, simply standing up for God and simply saying that, that Jesus died for all people, regardless of their skin color, culture, and what type of bank account they have and who they work for, what their last name is. See, as a Christian, we pray for everyone because God died for everybody. God died for everyone. So I had to learn this the hard way, and I had to start praying for people that I didn't like. Don't look at me strange because you have people you don't like either. Hmm. You have people that don't like you. Hmm. So you gotta learn this lesson because I read the book of Job. And I learned that in the book of Job, his friends came to him. The people that were closest to him came to him and they started accusing him and telling him, that he had done something wrong and the sin that was in his life and his unrighteous acts had brought this judgment on his life. And Job tried to vindicate himself, but he never cursed God. He never accused God of anything. He stood firm on the goodness of God and how God had blessed him and how God had blessed his children despite what happened in his life. And at the end of his life, the scripture says that God told him, pray for those men. And when Job began to pray for those who falsely accused him, who didn't agree with him, who didn't like him to a certain extent, who blamed him and said he brought it upon himself, when he began to pray for those who brought bad news in his life, 
Then the good things started happening again in Job's life. Everything began to turn around. Why? Because that's how God works. Everything began to turn and do a, a 180 and, and began to go in the opposite direction. The scripture says that Job's family, Job was blessed with double than what he had the first time. And everything he had, God doubled it. He became a blessed man. And he stood there still and outlasted everyone. But it didn't happen until he started praying for the people that talked about him, lied him, said things that weren't accurate. And that's where we're at right now. God didn't ask us to take sides and try to express your own personal opinion. God asked us to stand firm in the, on the good news that he loves everyone and we're supposed to pray for everybody. Speaker of the House, congressmen and women, senators, everyone in our government because your prayers make a difference. And when your righteousness is established, Righteousness exalts a nation. I know there are naysayings, but listen to this. First Corinthians, First Timothy 2 and 1 says this. First Timothy 2 and 1. I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplication, prayer, intercessions, and giving of things be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. What? You know, the apostle Paul told them we need, they need to pray for everyone in authority. Did he not know in that time, did you know, that Rome was given over to debauchery and they were given over to false worship and idols and false gods and they were pagan worshipers, but they had to pray that God would bless them. That sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. The goodness of God leads to repentance and a changed heart and a changed mind. God can change the way of men. They may not change their lifestyle, but God can change their opinions and thoughts and actions and cause it to work out for our good. And the end result will be that you and I will live a peaceful and quiet and godly life. Someone repeat this after me. Prayer works. Prayer works for this is what the Apostle Paul said. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So why do we pray? Because we need results. We need Jesus to be the answer. We need to see God move through the church. How many of you believe that he still answers prayer? Come on, somebody. How many of you believe that he still hears prayer? I thank God that I don't serve a God who's dead and just an idol worship, 
I don't, I don't serve a God who can't hear. I serve a God, the scripture says, that his arm is not short, that he can save, that he still hears our prayer, that he is alive. The, the tomb is empty, folks, just to remind you, it's not Easter Sunday, but I got to tell you, he rose again from the dead, and he's alive, and he ascended up on high, was seen by 500 people that day, and on the day of Pentecost, poured his spirit out on 120 of them and started the church in the middle of downtown Jerusalem and began the fire and the fire began to fall and the world was changed one soul at a time, one prayer at a time. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And that legacy has carried on from then until now. And here you and I are. We're here worshiping a God that we have never seen with our physical eyes, that we've never touched with our physical hands. But yet you're in this building because like the wind, you couldn't see it. But there's something that you feel. There's something that you know. There's something that you heard. There's something that's drawing you. That's the church of the living God. That is Jesus Christ in our soul and we have this confidence first john chapter 5 verse 14 and 15 says and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he what he hears us and if we know that he hears us Whatever we ask, we know that we have a petition that we desire of him. He hears. So I am persuaded. I'm going to give you one point today. But I am persuaded that God has raised up this nation for such a time as this. God has used America during this time. To date, we have contributed more to worldwide evangelization than all other nations of the world put together. To date, we have contributed more to disaster relief and humanitarian aid more than any country in the world. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. To date, even when we go to war with a nation, afterwards, we help rebuild it. Ask Germany and ask Japan. We're a godly nation. Despite your point of view, God is in this country. If God would listen to Abraham when he tried to, to, to converse with him and say, Lord, if we had only 10 righteous people in the cities, would you destroy it? And God said, I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there are just 10 people there that are righteous. And there wasn't. And he did. If God could hear the prayer of Moses, when Moses was on the mountain and the people worshipped the golden calf because they lost faith in God, because they were hungry, because they felt destitute, because they felt like they had been misled. So they made out of all of the jewelry and all of the gold they got from the Egyptians, they formed and made a golden calf and they began to worship it. And God saw it from the mountain and God told Moses, Moses, your people that you brought out. Isn't it kind of funny? God brought them out, but when they started doing something wrong, God said, you brought them out? <laughs> it's like some of our guys, that's like us guys, right? 
when, when, Adam was, when Adam was approached by God, he said, the woman you gave me, Lord, she messed up, not me. <laughs> Just like a guy, right? God told Moses, he said, Moses, I'm going to destroy all of them. Talking millions of people. I'm going to destroy all of them, and I'll make a great nation out of you. All I need is one. All I need is one. Somebody say one. One is all God needs. What I'm trying to tell you is, is I believe with all of my heart, according to the scripture, when I read the Bible, all God needed was just a handful or less just to turn and alter the destiny of a nation. So how much more if those accounts that I've just given you were under an old covenant an old covenant God made with his people. But you and I, there are more here righteous, not by self-righteousness, but by the blood of Jesus here today than there was in Sodom and Gomorrah. I've got to tell you, God's not going to destroy America when you're in it because you're the righteousness of God in this nation. I do not care about your eschatology neither. It doesn't matter. According to the scripture, Jesus even said when he looked over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, 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 how I would have gathered thee as a mother hen gathered her brood, but you would not. In other words, they had a chance. God wants everybody to be saved, but here's our chance. How many times have you prayed for America? How many times have you prayed for the situations going on? I'm going to tell you that was a scent of a savory scent going up into the nostrils of God that, have been, that has been detected. This nation is blessed because of the church. This nation is blessed because of praying people. This nation is blessed because of the God that's in our lives. Somebody respond to me and tell me you believe this. This nation is blessed what I'm going to tell you is this I'm so excited I used to get excited at football games baseball games basketball games I don't do it as much anymore because I've God put me in a new game I know what God is doing I see him making some yards. I know he's got some point for us on the scoreboard. I realize and I see God moving in this moment. And I can tell you that at the end, the scripture says we win. We win, we win, we win, we win. Somebody say amen. The only point I'm going to give you today is this. Here's the only point I'm going to give you. God will not forget America. God will not forget America. You are American. Now you're Christian, but you're American. This nation, you're part of this great nation, and this nation needs our prayers. This nation needs our cry. You can make a difference where you're at. Don't think for one moment that you're not heard. Daniel was a man just like you and I, according to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, who we call the Hall of Faith. In that 11th chapter, Daniel prayed, and he prayed to God for an answer that God would alter his nation, and it was a heathen nation. He prayed, and after 21 days, God came to him and told him that, hey, Daniel, I heard you on day one, but while you were praying, 
there were some fights and some battles going on in the background. You couldn't see it. You couldn't hear it. You didn't know it. But while you were praying, I was battling for you. And I had to battle against the prince of Persia just to get here to tell you, you win. You've won. You're overcome. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to step you up. I'm going to prosper you in your life. So this is what I learned. When it comes to people, i got to pray for them and bless them regardless of who they are. But when it comes to the devil, I have no mercy. There is no reservation. I pray the judgment of God upon every devil that tries to come into our life. There is no negotiating at that table. It is all for God and all for one, and it is no compromise there. So I'll let it go, and I'll pray. You can't touch my family. You can't touch my finances you can't touch my marriage you can't touch my children you can't touch my church family you cannot touch my future the blood of Jesus is against you no weapon formed against me can prosper go back to the pit of darkness where you came from somebody say amen oh pastor Bobby you're crazy man that's all right as poco better loco I'm few but I'm crazy right that's God didn't need a lot of people. God just needed 12. That's why he picked 12. One of them failed. And by the way, the greatest leader in the world picked 12 leaders and one of them failed. So you're going to find people in your life that aren't going to be right and do right and make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But if the greatest leader in the world picked Judas, you'll run into a Judas every once in a while. It doesn't mean you have no discernment. It just means that God is going to use that person to expedite you to his destiny. That's what Judas did. Judas was a tool now. He was a pawn. And it just moved him so he could, the king could move up. Just like chess, strategic. There are certain people that God has sent into your life to help you grow and become a Christian and be better in character. There are certain people that are in your life for a season, some for a reason, and some for a lifetime. Discern which ones they are and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. I'm coming to a close. I really felt so strong in my spirit. You can tell by my expression and how I'm talking, how I'm preaching, that I feel this. I feel the anointing. I feel his spirit just telling me, convey this to you. You live in a great nation. Don't talk about your leadership. Don't put them down. Pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for the government. If you don't agree with the House, then pray for the House. You don't agree with the Senate, pray for the Senate. You don't agree what's going on in Seattle, pray for Seattle. It doesn't matter. We got to pray. We got to intercede seed we are the ones that are going to make a difference in this world somebody say I believe that when I begin to look at the nation this nation that we're a part of we're like a sheep nation we've desired we've desired to follow after the shepherd we're hearing his voice doing the best that we can doing the best that we can that's why we have to come boldly Hebrews 4 and 6 Come boldly unto the throne of grace. Boldly. Unashamed. In our method, unequivocal. To boldly approach the throne of grace. And say, Lord, we're not perfect. But here we are. I need your mercy. This nation needs your mercy. 
if my people, he said, who are called by my name, he told Solomon, Solomon, I'm going to give you a, a way out of your trouble because you're going to go astray one day and Israel's going to go and step down the wrong path. But listen, if that ever happens, he said, if my people who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will answer their prayers and I'll heal their land and I'll cause the rain to come down again and I'll rebuke the locusts and everything that's been devouring your harvest and I will cause them cause you to prosper again in your life. What I'm trying to tell you is it doesn't matter the climate, the spiritual climate that's in our nation. God's people will always prosper. God's people will always prosper, but we have to lift up our voice as a nation. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Our, our responsibility is to pray and God's is to act. I wish I could sing. I, my kids don't want me to sing, but I wish I could sing. I'd sing God Bless America. I know. But I don't want to because I'll mess it up. We got a call. We're going to accept the call to be Americans and pray for our nation. I heard this old I heard the old rendition of Lee Greenwood and I I saw our soldiers, our so I honor everyone who has ever served our nation. I honor all of our government, first line, first responders. I honor everyone that's on the border. I didn't realize this, but I actually have a cousin who who worked for the border and I have people and friends and family that are in the military. We have veterans here. I feel this. We are all part of the army of God's people to move forward in land and sea and in any kind of turmoil. When, when there's trouble in the land, God calls on his people to intercede and he sends in the Air Force, or if you will, the angels that will go in and they'll begin to bombard hell and they'll be so shook that they don't know what hit them when God's people begin to pray. I feel that God's message to us this morning is to fall in love with your land again. I have heard, I've not been there, but I have heard how it is in other countries, how some don't even have proper sanitation, how even the, 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 the currency there is not that good and there's starvation happening all over the world. And I'm telling you, if you even have a car or even have a roof over your head, you are more prosperous than any person around the world in other third world third world countries but I heard this rendition this rendition this new one of 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 Lee Greenwood's song of our soldiers singing it and I want you to stand and instead of playing something I'm going to do something different I sent it to our media team I'm going to close the service with this song and I'm going to walk off Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for this service. God, we thank you as we all stand to our feet. Help us know, God, that we are part of a great nation and we're blessed, God, because you placed us here, because you're in the midst of us. From this place in Victoria, we pray that prayers would go up and ascend. 
in Jesus' name. Play the video if you've got it. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I'd thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee across the plains of Texas oh from sea to shining sea from Detroit down to Houston and New York to LA where there's pride in every American heart and it's time we stand and say listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit riversidechurchtx.com.